What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Heated Rivals Podcast. It is your boy, Sean Robinson, back again with the one and only, remotely this time, Mr. Zach Durkin. What's going on, guys? And Sean, this isn't the first time that we have to record remotely to avoid missing another week of awesome entertainment and information we're recording this live from New Jersey and Dallas. Yes, sir. That's right. Uh, I am back in Dallas, everybody. I am here for the I'm here for the Thanksgiving showdown between the Las Vegas Raiders and my Dallas Cowboys. Um, Zach, I got to tell you something, bro. And for all everybody that's listening, I'm like living out a dream right now. I got to be honest with you. Um, this is the second time this year I'm back in Dallas to watch the boys play, and for me to be here for this game. The Thanksgiving game specifically, I, I like I said before, man, I'm living out a dream. Can't wait for tomorrow. It's going to be great. Um, week 12. Can, can you fucking believe it, Zach? We're week 12 in the NFL season already. I feel like it was just yesterday that the uh, season started. I mean, all the anticipation leading up to the beginning of the season for us, at least. I mean, it's going too fast for my liking, to be completely honest with you, and Listen, Sean, I'm happy for you that you are going to Dallas again, but I'm sorry you're going to be wasting your money because it's all going to be for not because they're going to be bouncing the division around anyway. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm glad, you, uh, I'm glad you're showing some faith in my boys. You know, uh, coming off of, uh, I don't want to say it was a bad loss because there were some things that I actually kind of liked about that game against the Chiefs the other day, if I'm being completely honest with you. Um, but, you know, you want to win every week, so... It was definitely a letdown for the Cowboys. Uh, they kind of came out on offense and were completely flat. Uh, the defense actually played a really good game, holding the Chiefs to only 19 points. But um, you know what? Uh, I'm looking for a bounce back game when it comes to the this game with the Raiders. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit. But first, me and Zach just want to apologize to you guys. Uh, we've been trying to get out episodes every week as best we can. And last week, we didn't get a chance to put one out. But... Um, Thank you guys for still fucking with us and, you know, giving us the opportunity to fix that. And, you know, we're back this week with a brand new episode of... Yes, sir. The Heated Rivals NFL Weekly Preview is back. And like we said before, we are on week 12 of the NFL season. So, Zach, I got a question for you. We're, you know, more than halfway through the season now, about close to three quarters of the way done. If you had to pick your two Super Bowl teams right now, who would they be and why? Hmm. It's a pretty loaded question. I really wasn't expecting that. But uh, if I had to pick right now, it's hard not to pick the Kansas City Chiefs that they've been playing the last couple of weeks. They've kind of come alive ever since people thought they were quote-unquote figured out. But they're my team to represent the AFC and my NFC representative. I'm sticking with what I said earlier. I think the L.A. Rams are going to go to the Super Bowl, so it's going to be a pretty exciting, explosive, high-scoring Super Bowl with the Rams and Chiefs. But um, that's my pick. So what do you think about it? Who are your picks? Honestly, Zach, I've been thinking about it. And the great thing about the NFL this year is that there's a shit ton of parity. None of these teams, I feel, are like locks to make the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? I feel like every team has like their little fatal flaw that can maybe like keep them from even making the playoffs, if I'm being completely honest with you. Every team has that flaw. Uh, there's not one team where I go and I look at them and I'd be like, wow, this team is like flawless. Um, 
I could see them in the Super Bowl now if it started. Uh, but if you're going to make me pick gun to my head, hmm, this is tough because I really do want to put my Cowboys in, in the Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, you've got to be a little realistic. Listen, there's a realistic possibility for them to get there, so let's not go there. But um, honestly, if I had to pick two teams, my NFC representative right now would probably be the Packers. I still do find them to be the most complete team in the NFL right now. Uh, I know you love your Rams, but Matthew Stafford's kind of not playing all that great, if I'm being completely honest with you. You're kind of seeing like the the old Lions Matthew Stafford. So I'm going to default to Aaron Rodgers just with his greatness. And as far as my AFC representative, oh, I don't want to pick the Chiefs. I really don't want to pick the Chiefs, like at all. I know Patrick Mahomes... You know, we all talk shit about how we the NFL figured him out or, you know, he finally had a couple of really, like, bad games. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but I don't know. That Chiefs defense, I know they held the Cowboys to only nine points, but the Cowboys were missing a bunch of their guys on offense, and they really weren't able to take advantage of the things that the Chiefs were were doing. And honestly, if the Cowboys had their playmakers, that game would have been completely different. So I'm not a huge fan of the Chiefs' defense, so that's kind of holding me back from putting them in the Super Bowl. But honestly, I could see the Patriots somehow getting there. Can't you? Uh, I didn't know you were going to say that. I Can't mean, you? Listen, dude, I'm all for the Patriots being good, and yeah, they're fine and all, but I'm not buying into that yet. Mac Jones had a couple of pretty impressive games not turning the ball over and the defense has honestly probably been the best in the league up to this point in the last couple weeks yeah i mean but, they statistically are i mean I'll, I'll get into that a little later when we cover the games um but i'll go ahead what what, what, were, we, what were you going to say i'm sorry i cut off your point i i just don't think they have the offensive firepower to keep up with some of the elite elite offensive teams in the in the afc or the nfc really i mean yeah mac jones has been good but he hasn't been lighting it up on the scoreboard. You know what I mean? The defense has really been what's winning games for this team. Hey, man, uh, I know we weren't all that old for this, but do you remember the 0-1 Super Bowl? Tom Brady? Tom Brady? Probably not. Tom Brady versus the fucking uh, greatest show on turf. That's all I'm saying. I'm not calling the kid Tom Brady, but it's looking very reminiscent. That's all I'm going to say. But let's get into our picks for the week, Zach, uh, because it's been a while, and... This is a pretty interesting slate of games. Although I'm not gonna lie to you, Thursday night kind of kick. Well, Thursday afternoon for the Thanksgiving games kind of kicks off with a complete and utter dud, and that's gonna be the three and seven Chicago Bears without Justin Fields traveling to Detroit to take on the knee biters and baby hands. Zach, I just mentioned this. Justin Fields is not gonna play in this game, so we're looking at a quarterback matchup of Andy Dalton. And Jared Goff, baby hands. There is zero interest in this game. Uh, am I wrong here? I mean, to be completely honest with you, Sean, I think that this game has the potential to be the best game of the week. Now, hear me out, all right? Two bad teams. I'm rooting for the Lions here. I think they can potentially get their first win of the season. But like you said, Justin Fields isn't playing. Andy Dalton is. And Andy Dalton isn't a trash quarterback. He's a viable backup. And he almost had them beat the Ravens last week. I mean, it was a Lamar Jacksonless Ravens, but... It was still a close game. The Lions, on the other hand, have played in some really close games against some good teams. So I want to see how they do against a team that they really kind of should be in the game with 
the entire day. Yeah, I mean, realistically, if the Lions want to, you know, put make a statement and say that, like, you know, we're a tough team even though we don't have a win yet, they got to come out and beat this Bears team, you know? Uh, Andy Dalton playing quarterback for them doesn't inspire me. I know he has had a couple of great games. I know he's had a couple of good games here and there the last couple of years, and he did what he needed to do to keep the Bears keep the Bears in the game last week, but he doesn't really light a fire under me. Like, if I was a Bears fan, I would feel actually pretty, pretty nervous about this game because I honestly think the Lions might get their first win of the season here. I know we've said that probably like five times this year, but if it's not going to be this game, it's pro- it probably won't happen for them, right? I mean, it's going to be hard to see that, but just something that's a little noteworthy here, this is going to be Matt Nagy's last game as the Bears head coach. I think reports have come out saying that this will be the last game he's going to be coaching. Don't know why they're not doing it right now, but I guess they just want to be like, all right, after the next game, you're gone, but thanks for your service. I mean, I guess. We'll see. Uh, I know the Bears are uh, they're minus three, right? Is the line at minus yeah. three right now still? Yeah, I, I think yeah, I still like three. I think I still like the Lions to cover here. So I'm gonna take the Lions plus the three points and let's fucking hope Jared Goff has a has a banner day like he did back in 2017, 2018. So I'm actually gonna go with the Bears minus three in this one, but don't hold me to it. I don't know who's gonna win this shit bowl of a game, but potentially be the closest game of the week. Whereas I feel like the next game on the slate is not gonna be that close. I think the Dallas Cowboys playing at home against the Raiders, opening up a seven and a half point favorites. I think you're going to see a slaughter, Sean. You think, think so, you're Zach? Going to be very happy tomorrow. Yeah. You think so, huh? Well, I'm gonna have you know that the Raiders probably have the best defensive end tandem in the entire league in Max Crosby and Yannick Ng- uh, Yannick Ngakwe. Did I say that correctly? Yeah, you did. Okay, cool. Uh, those two are having phenomenal years. Max Crosby especially has probably been the best defensive end in the entire league this year. I think he's got somewhere close to like 13 and a half sacks um, and Ngakwe somewhere up around nine or 10 as well. The Raiders this year, we talked about it a little earlier on a on another podcast. The Raiders actually have been playing some pretty decent defense this year. And from what I saw last week from the Cowboys, without Amari Cooper... Uh, without CeeDee Lamb for half of the game and with an offensive line change in the middle of the week that didn't really make sense, the Cowboys weren't really able to do much of anything on offense. Now, I think even though it's a short week and you know guys are having to prepare in a really short amount of time, I think the fact that they know who they're going to have for this week will benefit them. And Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore will be able to game plan around the Raiders' pass rush, maybe get Dak in some quick throws and you know, come up with a better offensive game plan than they had against the Chiefs. Because I think they planned to have Amari and CD for the entire game. And then when, you know, Amari ends up on the COVID list and CD ends up with a concussion, guys got to step up and they just flat out didn't. You know, Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson had some just terrible fucking drops. But um, I don't think that's going to be... this. I don't think we're going to see much of the same again. I think you're right, Zach. I think we are going to end up seeing... A, uh, a shootout here. Now, if it's going to be both, if it's going to be from both teams, I'm not sure because that Cowboys defense, Zach, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta admit that Cowboys defense has turned a corner this year. 
I mean, yeah, just from the turnover numbers alone, I'm pretty sure they're top five in the league in turnovers. Am I wrong? Yeah, top five. Uh, I think they have 12 interceptions this year, something to that effect, and somewhere close to like 20 turnovers. Okay, yeah, and Trevon Diggs has pretty much led the charge for that with turnovers. I mean, what, does he have eight interceptions on the season? Yes, sir. All right, so, yeah, the Cowboys defense is playing really well, and I think that has a lot to do with why they're so good this season. Um, But going back to CeeDee Lamb, I heard reports that he might play this week. I don't know if that's entirely true. Yeah, um, yeah, actually, he is on the track to play right now. They were doing some tests. I know there's a bunch of different steps in the uh, in the uh, concussion protocol that he has to pass, but I think he was on like the fifth of the sixth step, and you know, reports were coming out that they were very optimistic that he'll play tomorrow. So, if I were, if I were the Cowboys, I'd probably keep him out a week. I mean. I feel like the Cowboys, like without CD, without Amari, still have enough on offense to stop or to beat the Raiders. Rather, um, Raiders don't really scare me. I mean, we beat them, and I don't think that they're very good right now. I mean, I think they're in the midst of their annual midseason collapse after everything that happened to Henry Ruggs. They just really aren't there mentally. I think this is going to be a blowout for the Cowboys. Um, that's just that's just how I feel about it, man. All right, word. The Cowboys minus seven and a half. Word, word. Well, uh, I think one matchup that we do need to look at specifically in this game is the Cowboys' defensive line versus the offensive line of the Oakland Raiders. Because if the Cowboys are able to control the offensive line, they will win this game, like you said, pretty handedly. But um, if they start to get pushed around a little bit in the run game, like they, you know, have a propensity to propensity, like they have a tendency to kind of do. Like, they have a tendency to kind of let happen to them in some games. Uh, it could get a little dicey, it can get, it can, and I think it could be a close game. But I don't really foresee that happening. Uh, there's a man by the name of Micah Parsons who I think is going to have a lot to say about this game. Uh, I tweeted out last week that I think my, Micah Parsons would cement his case for, de- uh, for Defensive Rookie of the Year uh, in the game against the Chiefs. And not only did he do that i think he actually put his name in the hat for defensive player of the year let's not get crazy he's a rookie the last rookie to do that i think was what lawrence taylor so yes sir let's, and let's hit the, the brakes on this kid a little bit don't get me wrong he's great and all but oh well i'll player of the year in your rookie season i'll have be, i'll have you know something i'll have you know something i was looking um at his stats for this year do you know the man has more sacks than the generational talent that is Chase Young? And Chase Young, Chase Young came in as ACL and listen, listen, just listen. Chase Young came in as a defensive end, and the man is now the man is a linebacker. Is all I'm saying. So for him to be able to you know switch positions mid season and still play at a borderline All Pro level, I don't know, man. That's a pretty special player, if you ask me. And honestly, he's the reason why we were still in that game against the Chiefs. He had a couple of really big sacks on third down and a strip sack of Mahomes um, at the end of the half. So the man, like I said earlier, is an absolute dog, and I'm very happy to have him on my team. So with all that being said, Zach, I am going to roll with the seven and a half points for the Cowboys, and um, I think I'm going to be a very happy camper tomorrow afternoon. No, I definitely agree with you, Sean. I think you are going to be a very happy camper, but you know who hasn't really been a happy camper lately? Who's that? Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills, man. I feel like the Bills are kind of skidding a little bit now. they got to kind of get their traction back against the Saints, who are, let's not going to lie, 
they haven't really been that great this season. They've been kind of up and down with Trevor Simeon starting at quarterback. And now, I mean, Taysom Hill just signed this big lucrative contract that he's making $55 million, maybe 95 if he plays starting quarterback at some point. But I'm not going to get into that right now. But like I said, the Bills, they got to get right. They lost to the Jaguars. They lost to Indianapolis. I mean, I'm sorry. They didn't lose to Indianapolis. They got shellacked by Indianapolis and Jonathan Taylor. We're going to get into Jonathan Taylor later. Dude's a fucking animal, but... They got to they got to pick it up against the Saints team, man. If they want to be the Super Bowl hopefuls and Josh Allen wants to be this MVP uh, candidate, they've got to really pick it up and start winning some games and lighten the scoreboard like they have done for the most of the season. I think you're 100 percent right, and uh, you know I think it's going to be tough for them this week because the Saints defense is pretty good. I can't lie. Uh, now, as far as the Saints offense, they suck. Like they're actually trash, and Kamara is not playing today. Or on tomorrow. So, you know, take that information and process it how you will. But Trevor Simeon's just not going to be able to keep up. And I'm sorry, but the gadget guy, Taysom Hill, doesn't do it for me either. So I think as long as the Bills can, you know, just not shoot themselves in the foot, get an early lead, and just play keep away, they should have no problem winning this game. Because New Orleans has no offense to keep up. New Orleans did put up 29 points on Philly, but I don't know if that's more indicative of Philly's bad defense or New Orleans actually having a pretty good game offensively. But it's going to be hard to see them move the ball without Alvin Kamara. And as we all know, Mike Thomas is out for the season, not saying that he would have been able to do anything anyway. But I think this is a good get-right game for the Bills. Yes, I think so too. So I'm going to actually roll with the Bills minus the 6.5. Like I said, I just don't foresee the Saints being able to keep up with them offensively. I think Josh Allen uses his legs a little more and – He's, play, he's going to play pissed off, and uh, your MVP candidate is going to have a good game this week, Zach. No, I agree. And one little tidbit before we get out of the Thanksgiving Day game, Sean. Did you know that every single team playing on Thanksgiving this year is coming off a loss? Wow, that's interesting. That, that's that got to be a first, right? I don't know, but all these teams are going to come in hungry for a win after their bad weeks last week. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the NFL has in store for us. Yeah, I mean, uh, Thanksgiving Thursday is always a super fun day here in America. And, you know, like I said, I'm going to be enjoying it live and direct. So I can't wait for tomorrow. It's going to be a great day. But uh, let's get into those Sunday games because we have a lot of very interesting matchups. Yes, let's. And I'm going to start us off with one of the games that's starting off the week. The Steelers are going to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. And this is going to be a very, very interesting AFC North showdown. The Bengals coming off a big win against the Raiders, who are, like I said, in the midst of a midseason collapse. And the Steelers coming off a loss against the Chargers. To be honest, I was watching that game, and I think the Steelers were down by 17 points against the Chargers. I don't know how they end up being in all being in all these games at the end of the game, but 41 to 37 is no joke. That's a pretty high scoring game. The that might Steelers, be the that might be the most points the Steelers the Steelers have scored in like the last two years. Yeah, and everyone wants to say this offense is shot, but I don't know, man. They they keep finding ways to win and put up points. Not last week, but I think this Bengals Steelers game is going to be close. It always is with these two teams. Um, it's always a little pushy and a little shovey. So I'd like to see the matchup between Joe Mixon and the Steelers' run defense. Joe Mixon had 30 attempts for 123 yards and two touchdowns last week. People got to start putting some respect on his name because he's been balling out this season, John. Yes, he has. I believe he's uh, I believe fifth or sixth in the league in rushing. And this was a guy who came in into who came into the league as I think he was a second round draft pick because of the whole you know situation he had in college. But 
this guy was a potential first-round draft pick, and they were talking about him as like a generational running back. So this is this guy's no slouch. He's no scrub, you know. And I think he's finally getting his due, and you know he's been able to stay on the field this year, which is a big thing for him. Well, yeah, that was always his issue is his health. But like you said, he's staying on the field. He's showing what made him arguably the best running back prospect of his draft. Running the ball for Oklahoma, he was an animal. So I like to see him continue that on the Steelers side. I think Deontay Johnson got hurt. That's going to take some of their explosiveness away on offense. Juju really hasn't done much for me. Pat Freeman has been all right. But the engine of that team is Najee Harris and his ability to run the ball. So if he's able to do that consistently against a good, stout front seven for the Bengals, this game might be closer to normal. But I really, really want to see Jamar Chase get back on track against the Steelers. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, the Steelers have had a bit of a shaky secondary. And if, this is, and if Jamar Chase wants to get right, this is a team to get right against. And I think he's going to be able to do that. I think Joey B and Jamar Chase hook up for a couple of touchdowns. Chase goes over 110 receiving yards, like seven catches. And I think the Bengals get the W here. Yeah, I do too. But I'm going to take the Steelers plus four and a half. I think it'll be close. And if not, the Steelers always find ways to make it close at the end. So take Pittsburgh plus four and a half. But I think uh, I think Cincinnati is going to walk out with the win. All right. Well, I'm rolling with Cincy in the minus four and a half. So we'll see how that game shakes out. Next game on the schedule, we have the seven and three. We have the seven and three Tampa Bay Bucks traveling to Indianapolis to take on the six and five Indianapolis Colts. Now, Zach, Bucks are coming off of thirty to ten win of your Giants. Bucks are coming off of a thirty to ten drubbing of your New York Giants. I apologize. In what can only be called as the Jason Garrett Memorial game, uh, Tom Brady. And the Bucks defense put a whooping on them so bad that they finally decided to let Jason Garrett go. Uh, but this Colts team is no Giants team, Zach. The, the, the Colts defense is pretty good. And we just mentioned before by the, uh, a guy by the name of Jonathan Taylor having arguably an MVP season. He's been absolutely lighting the league. he's been absolutely lighting the league on fire this year. Five touchdowns in his last game. I think he's up to. Uh, 12 or 13 for the year, leads the league in rushing. This is going to be a test for Tom Brady and the Bucks. You know what I mean? Especially that Bucks defense. You know, uh, they don't have Vita Vea. At least I'm not sure if he's going to play. And that's, a, that's huge for them because that is a massive, massive individual. And without him plugging up two gaps, I don't know. I could see Jonathan Taylor having another big day on the ground here. Absolutely. I mean, Jonathan Taylor is... Like you said, running back one in the league right now. He is, and, and to your point about, you know, Tom Brady delivering the final blow of Jason Garrett's offensive coordinator's um, tenure with the Giants, that game was a death sentence for Jason Garrett. I mean, I'm pretty sure you saw one of the plays. You had three Giants in the same area being covered by one Tampa Bay Buccaneer. You know, play design sucks, whatever. I'm not going to get into that right now, but. The Buccaneers have a statement game to make right now. They've been beaten up on some of the worst teams in the league as of, at the beginning of this season. The Colts are not a slouchy team. They just had a really impressive win over the Bills. Carson Wentz, let's see if he can deliver big against one of the NFL's best. I do expect him to go really run-heavy in this game, but I think Tampa Bay is going to have some fits with that defense as well. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it kind of took the Bucks a little bit, a couple of drives to get their rhythm going against the Giants on Monday. And uh, I don't know if they can afford to do that against the Colts. 
Colts are going to come ready to go. You know, they're in the midst of their hard knock season now. So, you know, the lights are on for the Colts and they're coming out to show the world that they're no slouches. And I think they're going to be well prepared. Frank Reich always has his teams well prepared. Like you said, they went up to Buffalo and put a shellacking on the Bills. So if Tom Brady's not prepared and he gets caught with his pants down, this is going to be a rough one for the Bucks. But I do think that Tampa Bay will be able to keep it close. Now, I don't like them enough to take them as a favorite, but I do think they'll end up winning. But I do think they'll end up winning, but I got to go with the Colts in the plus three. They're at home. They've been playing really great. And that run game, man, <laughs> Jonathan Taylor is something special, I got to say. Yeah, and just a quick point about the Bucks. If not for Tom Brady gifting the Giants a first and goal on a five-yard line, well, not really Tom Brady, Mike Evans, that game would, would have probably been 30-3. to three. He probably wouldn't have scored a touchdown if it wasn't for Mike Evans not having good hands. But I'm going to go with the Buccaneers minus three. I think that they're going to play hot. I think they're going to play fast. The only problem I feel like could happen is the run defense, but they got other dogs in that defense that I'm not really worried about it. So, so why don't we get into our next game, which has a lot less potential for excitement and entertainment. We got the Carolina Panthers going into Miami to play the Dolphins. Panthers are opening up as two-point favorites. Panthers are five and six. Dolphins are four and seven. Dolphins are coming off a nice win against the Jets. Pretty much didn't surprise anybody there. The two has been playing well. Panthers came off a loss against Washington. Ron Rivera beat his old former quarterback, Cam Newton. And I got to be honest with you, Sean, Cam Newton in Carolina, again, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. I think it's working out well for both teams. And no one can deny the impact that Christian McCaffrey has on that offense. And him being back for the last couple of weeks has, you know, generated some life in that team. Um, as far as the Dolphins go, the defense has been playing up to the part that they set last year. And Tua hasn't turned the ball over at the rate he did at the beginning of the season. So that's helped them a lot going forward. They've also shown the ability to run the ball. And they've showed that ability against the Ravens when they upset them last week. So I really wouldn't be surprised if the Dolphins walk out with a win. But the Panthers are coming back hard, man. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, and to your point about the Panthers... The straw that stirs the Panthers' offense is clearly Christian McCaffrey. You know, I know that Cam Newton came in and he's had, I think he has what, like five touchdowns since he's come back into the league. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's definitely provided a bit of a spark. But the, what makes that offense go is Christian McCaffrey. And if he's not healthy, the Panthers are not going to do shit. So it's good to see that he's healthy and they're using him how they used to use him knock on wood for the Panthers that he stays healthy because without him, like I said, they're not going to do shit. And Cam really doesn't inspire me that much. It's nice to see him come back and do the Superman thing. I guess that's cool, you know, but the guy still can't really throw the football. You know, he can't stretch the field how he used to. He needs that run game and he needs Christian McCaffrey. So uh, if, if the Dolphins can shut Christian McCaffrey down a little bit, I think they have a good chance at winning this game, too. I think you're right. Uh, we've seen Tua just not turn the ball over and just play within the offense. And, you know, he doesn't have his typical Tua throw where he throws it 15 yards short of his receiver, which is positive. So let's hope Tua's kind of, you know, turning a corner in his career and really, you know, embracing being the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, we, we still have a ways to see about Tua, but... I'm rolling with the Dolphins plus two in this one. I don't care who's the quarterback of the Panthers. It could be Sam Darnold. It could be P.J. Walker. It could be fucking 
Tua's little brother or Jackson Mahomes. I don't care. As long as you have Christian McCaffrey, he's going to make stuff happen. But Dolphins plus two in my book. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm going to take the Dolphins plus two as well. So next game up is going to be my potential AFC representative for the Super Bowl. The New England Patriots hosting a very weird team in the 8-3 Tennessee Titans. I got to be honest with you, Zach. The Titans are a fucking weird team, man. I don't understand it. I'm not sure how one team could look so dominant uh, one week against a team like the Rams and then come back a couple weeks later and lay a complete egg against the fucking Texans. Just explain to me how that happens. Well, let's not forget, they also lost to the Jets. So you lost to two two 2-8 teams who have... The 50% of their wins are against the Titans. I don't understand how they come out against the Rams, like you said, and show up last week and shit the bed ultimately. I thought that Derrick Henry going out was going to cripple this team. It has proved to do the opposite. It seems like they're still on stride, but they just can't seem to beat the bad teams in the league. Like, Houston's a divisional game for them. They always play tough, but I did not expect them to get shut down in the way that they did. Now, I don't think Julio played. I think A.J. Brown's a little banged up, so I'm not here making excuses for them, but they, they can't lose to these shitty teams, man. If, if not for the Jets and Texans, they'd be 10-1. and one. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. You mentioned that the Titans only lose to bad teams. I think this is going to be the week that they finally lose to a good team. Uh, Bill Belichick, we always talk about Bill Belichick being able to take away what you do best, right? Defensive mind, you know, he's building a great defense over there. He always has a great defense. But, um, you know, since the Patriots have lost, since the Patriots lost to the Texans, since the Patriots lost to the Cowboys back in week eight, they've won four straight. And what is a hallmark of Bill Belichick, of good Bill Belichick teams? A good defense and a good running offense. Patriots are number one, are the number one running team in the NFL, and they are the third overall defense in the NFL. That's, that's the formula for Bill Belichick. You get a quarterback who will make the right reads and put the ball where it needs to go in Mac Jones, and you got a fucking great defense and a great run game. Tell me why the Patriots won't get to the Super Bowl this year, especially playing the way they're playing right now. Um, the Titans are in trouble in this game because I think Bill is going to be able to take away A.J. Brown. You know, he's a little hurt, so it's not going to be too hard for Bill to be able to take him out of the game plan. And I think the Patriots will play a ball control offense. They'll run the ball down the Titans' throat, and they'll win this game pretty handily. I'm thinking like 24 to 10. Uh, Tannehill just... Tannehill just really hasn't played well. You know, four interceptions last week against the Texans. Not going to cut it, bro. No, not at all. I mean, the Patriots kind of quietly have snuck off back on the AFC East, taking a division lead over the Bills, who have, like I said, skidded over the last couple of weeks. But like I said earlier, the Patriots, I feel like, don't have enough on offense to keep up with the AFC or NFC's best. Don't get me wrong, that defense is elite, and they win championships, and running game really doesn't matter. But I feel like to take your team to that next level, you need that extra little bit. You know what I mean? Like, so we'll see what happens to the Patriots, but let's get into the team that they beat last week in an embarrassing fashion, and that's the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons are four and six going into Jacksonville to play the Jaguars, who are two and eight. Now, four and six is a little fluky to me. I don't think they really deserve that record. They're a little worse than what they've portrayed to be, and the Jaguars, they beat the Bills. It's an impressive win. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I think the Jaguars can get a win over the Falcons. Falcons put up a zero spot against the New England Patriots, and then the Jaguars lost to San Francisco 30-10. to 10. 
two very uninspiring efforts in the last week. Um, but the line is even. They're pretty much saying, hey, throw the fucking hat up in the air and whoever it lands on is going to win. I don't think that this game has any allure at all for anyone to watch, unless you're a fan of the teams. I mean, even the fan of the team, I wouldn't even watch. But if I had a pick, fuck it. I'm going with the Jaguars, man. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to play decent enough to win. James Robinson might actually go off. So I, don't, I just don't like the Falcons, dude. <laughs> I hear you. You know you know who's a good comp for Trevor Lawrence if all works out well for him, I think? Matt Ryan. Who's that? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan. Tell me not. You don't think that would be a good comp for him? I don't know. I think Trevor Lawrence has a little bit more athleticism than Matt Ryan, and I wouldn't compare Trevor Lawrence to anybody yet because I feel like he hasn't had a fair evaluation. The team he plays for sucks. He was supposed to come out and be the next Peyton Manning. So, hey, well, listen. We have, to see where, we have to see where the needle lands on Trevor Lawrence, but he hasn't shown me much, and he's been kind of disappointing. I know he's not on a good team and whatnot, but you always hear that good quarterbacks make it happen, and I'm not seeing that from him, to be honest with you. I hear what you're saying. Uh, Peyton Manning really didn't have a good rookie year, but I think, like you said, the situation for him in Jacksonville really sucks, and when Urban Meyer is your head coach, you know, success is pretty much not a thing for you in the NFL. So uh, I think maybe they'll reevaluate in the offseason, you know, get some real weapons in there for him and get him a coach that actually knows how to coach and get the best out of him. And I think year two is where we'll be able to get a real evaluation of the kind of quarterback he is. But, you know, I still like him as a as a prospect. He battles, which is great. And he does have all the physical attributes that you want to see in a quarterback. So with all that, I'm going to have to ride with the Jacksonville Jaguars for this week, Zach. I think I'm right there with you. Um, my affinity for Trevor Lawrence is kind of pushing me in this direction. I got to be honest with you. I don't like the Jags defense, uh, I, but I really don't like the Falcons as a team. So I'm just going to roll with the guy that I like a little bit more, and hopefully he pulls up for me. Let me ask you something. Do you think that this is just like kind of an off-the-wall question here? Do you think Eric Bieniemy gets his head coaching opportunity with a young, talented quarterback like Trevor Lawrence? I mean, I would hope so. I would. He damn sure deserves it. And if anybody in the NFL front and if anybody in NFL front office and if anybody in these NFL front offices is paying attention, that should be the guy that you want to you know steer your young quarterback in the right direction. Because look what he did with fucking Patrick Mahomes. So yeah, I think Eric Bieniemy should be number one on the list for the Jaguars as far as their head coaching search goes. And we'll see what happens in the off season. Uh, the Jags don't typically do things the right way either. So. Yeah, I mean, you can credit Pat Mahomes with Eric Bieniemy or Andy Reid. Andy Reid is known to be a quarterback guru, so we're going to see where he goes with that one. But um, another very uninspiring game is the New York Jets taking on the Houston Texans. This makes me as a Giants fan very happy to see one of these teams win because that just makes our draft stock even higher. Um, Jets 2-8, and eight, Texans 2-8, and eight, but the Texans are actually opening the game as 2.5-point favorites. Tyrod Taylor has shown some spark since he's been back on the offense, and the Jets are looking forward to getting their man Zach Wilson back. Joe Flacco really didn't do it for him, with the exception of Mike White, who played one or two pretty good games. He hasn't really done it back for him. Um, I'm really curious to see Wilson's chemistry with Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore has just started to kind of come onto the scene as one of the better receivers in the league, rookie receivers in the league. Let me say that. I'm sorry. And I wanted to see what happens because before Wilson got hurt, there really wasn't much chemistry between them. He really kind of favored Corey Davis, and 
Joe Flacco or Mike White have found their stride with Elijah Moore. And I think the ability to run the ball with Ty Johnson and Michael Carter, even though he's out for the next couple of weeks, the Jets offense has not been all that bad. Their defense, on the other hand, has been terrible. So it's going to be a high-scoring game, I believe. I think the Texans are going to win. But like I said, as a Giants fan, as long as one of these two teams win, that just ups my stake in the draft. 100%. So I know you're just you're just hoping both of these teams somehow find a way to lose, huh? Well, I want them to win because the Giants lose this week. We probably top, pop up into the top four in the draft. And with the Bears losing, hopefully, against the Lions, that's two top five picks right there for my Giants. Well, I hope for uh, your sake and your sanity that both of those things happen for you. Uh, but if I have to pick a winner for this game, give me the Jets plus the two and a half. I think the Jets might be able to to make some noise against this Texans team, and uh, Zach Wilson might actually have his first really good game in the NFL. So I'm going to roll with the Jets. Yeah, that could be a really fun game. But speaking of fun games, I have my money's worth for me this week. My Giants take on the Eagles. Philadelphia Eagles are coming to MetLife Stadium. They're coming in as three-and-a-half-point favorites. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, dude. The Eagles, they've been rolling lately. I mean, they've won their last three out of four, putting up 30-plus points in those wins against teams like New Orleans, Denver, and Detroit. Not the most impressive slew of games, but Jalen Hurts is kind of showing what he could do with what's given to him. I mean, he's kind of playing into the offense. He's not making the stupid decisions. The run game has been really well for them, and Devontae Smith has kind of emerged as that receiver one for that team. Obviously, the big storyline in this game for the Giants, first game without Jason Garrett, fucking cancer of the team. I think he's been holding back his offense a lot. He doesn't really know how to use his players, and I'm sh- I'm sure you can attest to that, Sean. Oh, yeah, 100%. Uh, Des Bryant actually had a lot to say about that, too, for those of you who follow him on Twitter. You can check out his Twitter page. He's He's a fucking riot. He always says a bunch of wild shit. But uh, he was no fan of Jason Garrett. No, so, I mean, I think that the offense is going to be able to breathe a little bit more. I think there's a little bit of a sense of relief. They don't have to be so robotic with the receiver screens and the slants and the curls all game. I think that Kenny Galladay has four targets all game, and all four of them were slants. Like, that's not how you use Kenny Galladay. But I'm expecting Freddie Kitchens to step in as the offensive play caller, and Freddie Kitchens normally has a more aggressive approach to the offense and calling plays than Jason Garrett does. And the only film that I can really look up of Freddie Kitchens calling plays for the Giants was when they had Colt McCoy as their quarterback last year against the Cleveland Browns. Um, his average intended air yards for that game were 10 yards. Were 10 yards, So that was the second highest of the week. And 15 out of his 31 attempts went down more than 10 yards. So I definitely do expect the Giants to push the ball down the field more. I do want to see a nice little Kenny Galladay jump ball or like a back shoulder throw from Daniel Jones. I think he's going to get Kadarius Tony in space, but I really want to see how they use the players. I'm not really worried about the aggressiveness from Freddie Kitchens because if I do remember correctly, he called a good game with some back shoulder throws, some nice concepts and crossing routes and all that good stuff. But I want to see how he uses the players on offense. I don't really think talent is an issue with the Giants. I think it's more so getting the players in correct spots to succeed. Daniel Jones didn't really have the best game last week, but that's just him trying to do too much as per usual. He doesn't really stay in his head when the game gets out of hand, so... I'd like to see him play more into the offense and, you know, get, get some get his confidence back a little bit. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, it's always a confidence thing with Daniel Jones. We saw it earlier in the year. Uh, the offense was rolling a little bit, and he looked really good for the first, like, four or five games of the season. Soon as those, you know, 
turnovers start to come. He starts forcing things, and it snowballs from there, like you said. But, you know, I'm also looking for the Giants offense to kind of break out a little bit here, you know? At least that's the hope. Uh, you, you cut bait with Jason Garrett. You let Freddie Kitchens call the plays. They got to score 30 points in this game. I'm sorry. They, uh, they have to. I don't know about I don't know about all that. I think I'll be happy with 24 plus for this game. I mean, it's the first game with a new offensive coordinator, and I don't know, man. I mean, you can use the excuse that the offensive line is bad, but that's been the excuse for four years already. I know good teams and good quarterbacks making it happen with bad offensive lines, and I don't think the Giants' offensive line is as bad as a lot of other teams in the league. So I think that they can definitely make do with what they have. But like I said, I mean, Daniel Jones outside of the game against the Rams and the Tampa Bay Bucks has posted a 90 passer rating in all those games. So aside from the Rams game, his interceptions have been good. Fumbles have been at a minimum. I just want to see him deliver the ball downfield to some of his weapons and get that ball rolling. I think if he comes out and throws two or three touchdown passes with over 250, 300 yards, no turnovers, I think he's back on track. All right, word. Well, You'll be happy to know that I am going to roll with you guys this week. I do think that you guys might be able to find a little bit of footing on offense. You know, keep Philly off of the field. I think that's the biggest thing. That offense, like you had mentioned, is rolling. So if your defense can get a few stops and keep Philly off the field, I think you guys have the formula to win. Now, yeah, absolutely. And we're getting Logan Ryan back this week. He was in the COVID this week, last week, so... I think that's going to be a big addition back on our defense. Yeah, most definitely. So I'm going to roll with the Giants, and let's hope that doesn't bite me in the ass because I refuse to pick the Eagles. <laughs> Same here. Alrighty, so that's going to close out the 1 o'clock slate of games for Week 12. And to kick off the 4 o'clock slate of games in the 325-425 slot is going to be the 7-3 Los Angeles Rams traveling to Green Bay to take on the 8-3 Green Bay Packers. Now, Zach, Aaron Rodgers came out and said that, you know, he has been dealing with a bit of an issue the last couple of weeks. Uh, In quarantine, I believe he fractured his toe. So he came out and let everybody know that he does not have COVID toe. I don't really know what the fuck COVID toe is, but he is dealing with a fractured toe. Don't really know how much that's been holding him back the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's still going out there and throwing for 385 and four touchdowns, but... This is a very big game in the NFC, Zach. This can go a long way into playing out who eventually ends up getting the number one seed. You know, both these teams are right there as far as seeding goes and one and two in the NFC. Um, I know the Rams are coming off two straight losses and two pretty bad losses, actually. And uh, the Packers are coming off losing two of their last three with a big loss to the Vikings last week. So... Both these teams need this game in the worst way. Yeah, absolutely. And the game against the Vikings last week, I feel like you could put that more on the defense. I mean, Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook pretty much had their way, and you know Justin Jefferson went off as well. So the Packers' defense has been lacking a little bit. And outside of the game that they had to start Jordan Love, I mean, if not for that, they'd be 9-2. and two. But, yeah, I mean – Aaron Rodgers is still doing Aaron Rodgers things. He showed his toe to everybody. Big Rex Ryan guy. I know he has a fetish or whatever, but <laughs> that's beside the point. Um, I'm really curious to see what Odell's role in the Rams offense is going to be after Robert Woods tore his ACL in practice. I'm really kind of seeing, kind of waiting to see what that feng shui is going to be like with that offense. But uh, the line for this game is also even. So 
pick them, man. I have no idea who I'm going to go with, but if I had to have a hunch, I think the Rams are going to get right against the Packers, to be completely honest with you. All right, well, I'm going to give you one stat that's going to lead me to not side with the Rams here because I do think the Rams have potential to win this game, but Stafford, 4-8 and eight in his career at, Lam- at Lambeau. All right, and I think he's like 13 and 30 in his career against the Packers in general, something like that. And maybe not 13 and 30, but he's definitely under 500. So take that information, take that information for what it's worth. But I don't know. I just think Green Bay has his number, and I think 13 and 30 with a Detroit Lions team. Yes, with a Detroit Lions team. Just wanted, just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, I mean, listen, two different teams. I get it. But Stafford really hasn't been playing well the last three or four weeks. Uh, and Green Bay's defense is pretty good. I think they'll be able to, you know, they're going to want to run the ball as best they can. And I think A.J. Dillon has a big game here. I'm looking like two touchdowns, 130 all-purpose yards. They're going to feed him. He's a physical fucking presence that I don't think the Rams have really seen this year, with the exception of um, the Titans running backs. So... I'm going to roll with the Packers here. I feel really good about what their team is doing right now, and uh, I don't know. The Rams need to figure it out a little bit. They got all these additions and don't know how to use them. So uh, next game we have in the 4 o'clock slate is going to be what me and Zach have officially dubbed the Taj versus Johnny Bowl. For those of you who know Taj and Johnny, they're fans of the Minnesota Vikings and San Francisco 49ers respectively. Both teams coming in at 5-5. Five and five. Vikings coming off of a big win against the Packers. And 49ers coming off of a big win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is another huge game in the NFC with playoff implications. Okay? Whoever wins this game is probably going to end up as the sixth seed, if I'm being completely honest with you. Okay? As far as the remaining games on both these teams' schedules, I believe the 49ers play three teams with winning records, and the Vikings only play two. That's going to be huge. So this game is really going to be like the deciding factor on who gets into the playoffs, I think, you know? Yeah, both teams are 5-5. Five and five. Both teams are kind of finding their stride. The 49ers are on a little bit of a hot streak beating the Rams for Jacksonville, and do say the same for the Vikings, who are coming off a nice win against Green Bay. They were 3-5 and five two weeks ago, and, I mean, I, I, this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think. I think the 49ers are going to come out on top just because I think their defense is playing a little better and the Vikings are still a little inconsistent for me. But give me the Niners minus three. Debo Samuel is coming into his own and the defense is playing outstanding. Yeah, that was, uh, that was one player I feel like is going to have a really big game. Debo Samuel. The man, I think, took like 10 snaps at running back last week and almost rushed for like 100 yards. That's something I don't think the... Vikings haven't have really seen all year and I think he's going to have a big game you know and especially with the defensive line for the Vikings being pretty much non-existent at this point I believe they're missing four starters from that defensive line you know San Francisco San Francisco is going to come out and they're going to pound the rock and if that's going to be the case they're just and if that's going to be the case Kirk Cousins in that fucking high-flying offense is just not going to be able to get on the field as much as they'd like to and I think, you know, San Francisco will cu- score a couple of early touchdowns and they'll be able to play from ahead. And their defense is amazing when they get to play from ahead. So with all those things kind of coming together, I think that ultimately ends up in a 49ers victory. Agreed. But 
let's get into the last game of the 4 o'clock slate, which sees the L.A. Chargers take on the Broncos. Chargers are going into this game as two-and-a-half-point favorites. They had a pretty impressive win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, 41-37. A little close at the end, a little scare, but it is what it is. The Broncos are coming off a bye week. I see the Chargers able to win this game. I mean, they put up 41 points against a good Pittsburgh defense, albeit they were dealing with some injuries. But Justin Herbert, I mean, out of the two wins they've had in the last three games, he's looked pretty good. 30 of 41, 382 yards and three touchdowns. And against Philadelphia, I mean, he put up 32 of 38, 386 and two touchdowns. So I think Justin Herbert is starting to get some of that magic back. He's zipping the ball downfield. And I'm not, a lot of you might not know this, but I'm actually going to see the Chargers play in L.A. with my brother Jude. Going to see them show off the Giants, and to be honest, I don't even know why I'm going anymore. But going to be a fun one to watch. But yeah, I'm going to take the Chargers minus two and a half in this one. I don't think the Broncos are going to be able to uh, keep up with the firepower of the Chargers. Yeah, I don't think so either. The Broncos are just like bland white toast compared to the Chargers' offense. So I'm going to roll with the Chargers too. Broncos, they're just boring to me, and the Chargers, I think you're right, are finally hitting their stride a little bit. So I'm going to roll with the Chargers as well. Uh, let's close out this uh, Sunday slate of games with the Sunday night football matchup, which is going to sh- um, which is going to have the Cleveland Browns at six and five traveling to Baltimore to take on the seven and three Baltimore Ravens. Now the Ravens are favored by three and a half points. Lamar Jackson is back. The Ravens are coming off of a pretty inspiring come from behind win last week with Tyler Huntley at the helm playing quarterback for them. And uh, honestly, dude. I think the Ravens are going to blow out the Browns here. I know I've been a big proponent of the Browns all season, but the Browns are hurt, man. They're just not healthy at all. And with this Browns offense being virtually non-existent since Baker hurt his shoulder back in week six, back in week six, they're averaging like less than 17 points a game. Uh, I just don't think the Browns will be able to keep up with Lamar and the Ravens. You know, I think the Ravens will get out early score a early field goal and maybe a couple of easy touchdowns, and that'll be it for the Browns. Yeah, the Browns have been really disappointing this season, I think. I mean, we all know how the marriage with Odell Beckham didn't work out. And like you said, Baker Mayfield's been hurt, so they haven't really been able to get to their full potential. The Ravens, on the other hand, like you said, Tyler Huntley, 26-36, 219. He had a pretty good game. He had 40 rushing yards, but we were able to run the ball on that Chicago team and put up 123 rushing yards, and you saw the kind of resurgence from Devontae Freeman with the game and the touchdown run. So, like you said, they're getting Lamar Jackson back. My fantasy team is happy about that. He was dealing with an illness, not COVID-related, but I could definitely see the Ravens getting back to putting up, like, maybe 40 points in the Browns. I don't think the Browns are going to eclipse 23, so that's how I feel about it. Let's close out Week 12 with our Monday night game. That sees the Seattle Seahawks going to Washington to play the football team football team goes in as one-point home favorites. I'm going to give you a little bit of a hot take right now, Sean, and you tell me how you feel about it, your instant reaction, all right? All right, bet. Russell Wilson is washed. Whoa. That's bold. You don't think he's just... You don't think he's just, like, hurt? No, I think he's done, man. I mean, he always does this. He always plays really good in September, and then he falls off at the end of the year, and the Seahawks don't end up doing anything. It's been this way since he hasn't had the Legion of Boom. I don't think they have enough. I mean, I'm not going to say they don't have enough help on offense because you have two stud receivers, and, you know, your running game hasn't really been where it's want to be since Chris Carson got hurt. So I guess you can give a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but 
I don't see him making the same plays that he did when he was an MVP candidate, dude. I don't see him rolling out, getting him in space. I mean, you can blame it on play calling, but his escapability from the pocket really hasn't been what it used to be either. And he's not launching it downfield like he had. He was one of the best deep ball throwers in the league, and he hasn't really been able to connect on those deep shots like he has been in the past. No, I think you're 100% right. I just, I personally just think he's hurt. And honestly, that Seahawk offense is just so bland. And they just, they just are, are so uninspiring. And I just think Russell is kind of getting tired of that. So I think we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago with when we had Frank on. Maybe this might be like the beginning of the end for uh, Russell and the Seahawks together. It could be, and as crazy it is as it is to think, as crazy as it is to think, if the Giants are in the quarterback market last year, let's say Daniel Jones finishes the season pretty poorly, and they're making their decision on the new GM, like, hey, I don't want this guy, I want a new quarterback, and you don't like any of the guys in this draft, maybe you make a move to trade one of your top picks this year for Russell Wilson, getting him back, and maybe seeing what he could do in New York. Just a hunch, just an idea, just a thought, nothing crazy, it's just a rumor that I made up just now, so... There was speculation that he might want to play for the Giants a couple of years ago, so we'll see what happens with that. Hey, man, I mean, it's a big market. It's right where he would want to be, you know. Him and Sierra would love it in New York, I think. Uh, I personally would fucking hate that because I like Russell Wilson, and I don't want to have to hate Russell Wilson if he becomes a Giant. So I don't want to see that happen, but I think for you as my friend, that would be a cool thing to see. Yeah, absolutely, but... The glaring, the glaring hole for the Giants is still the offensive line, but we're not talking about the Giants right now. We're talking about the Seahawks and the football team. And the football team actually had a pretty good win against the Panthers. Ron Rivera had his revenge game against Cam Newton. I guess if you can call it that, I don't know if there's any bad love between them, but Tyler Heineke, man, I don't really know what to make of this guy. He's he's hot and cold. He's exciting when he's good. He's really bad when he's bad, but I don't really feel comfortable giving Washington a point here. I think the Seahawks are going to make this one close. It's Monday night. Night games this year have been kind of wacky all over the place. So I just think that Washington is due to come back down. They need to be humbled. All right. Well, I will say this. I do believe that Taylor Heineke is our generation's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like a guy who can come in, you know, has all the swag in the world, might actually ball out a couple of games here and there, but is prone to make the big mistake and uh, let his team down more than he is uh, building them up. Uh, so I actually think you're right. I do think the Seahawks will be able to turn him over a couple of times. And uh, I think the Seahawks keep it close. So uh, give me the Seahawks plus the one point there. And with that being said, that is going to close out our picks for week 12. Uh, pretty interesting week, I'd say. A pretty interesting slate of games, I'd say, Zach. A lot of cool uh, matchups here. A lot of playoff implications uh, as well. So... This is going to be a fun one, I think. Yeah, no, there's a lot of shitty games this week. There are a lot of good games. I think the good games will outweigh the bad, but always got to love some Thanksgiving football, Sean. Yes, most definitely. Uh, I'm very excited to be attending the game tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, second time here in Dallas this year. I'll be accompanied by my uh, longtime friend, Danny. He's he's making his first appearance at any football game ever, so... Let's hope the Cowboys give him a good game tomorrow. But before we wrap up and get out of here, let's close out with our blind confidence pool picks. All righty. Uh, last week, I was able to get off to Schneid from a three-week losing streak and finally get 
one game in. I believe I won my, what, two-point play last week, Zach? Or was it my three-point play? It was actually play? your three-point play. The Arizona Cardinals, after the news that Kyler Murray wasn't playing and now there was DeAndre Hopkins, I texted you and said, I'm sorry. But Cole McCoy shut, shut me up and delivered one of the best games of his career. And, yeah, I mean, they gave, they gave you the minus two, Sean. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. You should have known better because Colt McCoy got you like your biggest win of the season last year. So you should never bet against Colt McCoy. But with that being said, I'm going to get into my picks for this week. My three-point play is going to be the Ravens minus three and a half. My two-point play is going to be the Chargers minus two and a half. And my one-point play is going to be the Packers on the money line since the spread is even. I like that. So... Why don't I get into my picks? I'm on a, what, four or five game winning streak now. I think the lead is nine points. Yes, it is. All right. So, I mean, we still got to figure out what the punishments are going to be, but let's not get too crazy over here because we still got about a third of the season left. My one-point play is going to be the Rams money line straight up. My two-point play is going to be the Buccaneers minus three. And my three-point play is going to be the Bills minus six against the Saints. Whoa, bold, bold. Just, be, just, be, just, be, just because I can't pick the Giants plus three. So I'm going with the Bills minus six. All righty, all righty. Well, again, Zach, I hope you lose every single one of your picks this week so I can try to claw my way out of the gutter here and uh, make this fucking challenge a little respectable. Uh, we still don't have a punishment yet for this challenge. So if you guys can think of something, feel free to DM us uh, on Twitter or on Instagram. You guys know where to find us. But with all that being said, that's going to close out this week's episode of the Heated Rivals podcast. Again, want to thank you guys all for listening. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Heated Rivals Pod 15 and on Twitter at Heated Rivals 15. If you ever want to come on the pod, shoot us a DM. We'll link up and we'll try to figure out something so we can get on and you can talk some shit about your favorite sports team. So with all that being said, I'm Sean Robinson. I'm Zach Durkin. And this has been the Heated Rivals Podcast. Take care, everybody. Peace.